All right. So, hey, y'all been memorizing Proverbs or uh, memorizing Scripture? And uh, today is Proverbs chapter 15, right? So one of the verses, and uh, we're not going to teach out of Proverbs 15, but if you're reading, you're, you know, one of the words that you would get today is a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's true, isn't it? Okay. So one of the things I want to challenge you, that we're, one of the reasons we're going through Proverbs is there's a lot of great practical wisdom that we just need to be reminded of in the busyness of life to just sit down and say, hey, today is a good day. And, and you know what? It's this God coincidence thing that happens so that you get a word like that, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, and then your boss comes in and stirs up anger and you want to naturally tell him to take this job and shove it, right? And instead, this verse comes to mind, and you know what? A gentle word turns away wrath. And uh, how God uses his word, allows his word to transform us our minds, our hearts, our relationships. So, hey, I, I grew up an introvert. I'm still naturally an introvert. And so I have a tendency to kind of stay on the outskirts of the room, scan the operation, see what's happened, and then jump into the mess of it. I'm not a natural extrovert. Now, my wife is a natural extrovert. In other words, she'll go from party to party to party, and it's like she's, the, you know, just kind of gets energizes and moves on and on and on. I go from party to party to party, and if I had a battery thing, you would see the battery just kind of draining and going. And it's not that I don't love people. It's just that I'm naturally more of an introvert. So as I read Proverbs growing up, one of the verses that kind of stuck in my mind that made sense to me was it's better to be silent than to be known as a fool, right? And so if you're naturally an introvert, you're like, listen, this makes sense. I don't want anybody to know that I'm a fool, so I'm just going to stand here on the outskirts and not really let anybody know that I may not be smart, especially in your junior high and high school and, and you're not real confident in yourself anyway. You just kind of kind of stop and not listen. But then I also learned this one in junior high. It was really cool because it's gross, right? As a dog returns to its vomit, yeah. So a fool repeats foolishness, right? That's true, isn't it? We've all seen that, that a dog will return, and you're like, oh, that's nasty. But that's also, here's the truth, is a fool will continue to do the same thing over and over and over again, things that others would go, man, that's nasty, and they run back to it. Another one is, charm is deceptive, but beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so that's, again, one of those truths that as we get a little bit older and we begin to think about who do we want to be our mate for our entire life, we realize, hey, things, things move and change and, and all that stuff. And listen, I know that I'm a stud now, but I was even more studly when I was 18. And so I know charm is deceptive and fleeting, all that stuff. But listen, it's this idea of it's not about what's on the outside, but what's on the inside. And so it's better for us as we teach our kids and our grandchildren, we talk about, hey, get to know the person, get to know the character, build a friendship. And out of that friendship, maybe a relationship will take place because it's if you're going to do 50 years of life together, it's, you're going to have to become friends. Um, either that or it's going to be a long time of enemies. All right. And then one day I was on a youth retreat. And it was just guys. And my youth pastor said, hey, here's a verse I want you guys to know. And we were all sitting around the fire, and so it kind of made sense. Can a man scoop fire on his lap and not get burned? And everybody says, no. It makes sense. And so we talked about relationships and just some of those things related to that. And so, again, a very practical message for you. And then one of the things that been, we've been thinking about this week is kindness and doing good. And, and so I was talking with my family about some moments. We talked about this principle. And so our main verse I want you to grasp is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17. And it says this, Your own soul is nourished when you are kind. It is destroyed. Your soul is destroyed when you are cruel. That's a good principle. It's truth. 
you've had those moments where you're frustrated, where you're kind of in your little pity moment and you're kind of pitting yourself and you're kind of just whatever that is, frustrated, tired and all that. And then you see other people that are in a situation where they might need help and assistance. And so you kind of are doing that back and forth. Should I really be kind? Should I really be nice? Or is, am I okay just kind of sitting in my little pity party? You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So um, a few years ago, right before we moved here, we had like three weeks, maybe a month from you know where, um, not heaven. Okay. And so it was just one of those months. It was just craziness. And we were, and God was just kind of really working on my heart and probably our entire family's heart because they were a part of this whole thing, but um, in particular, my heart. And so we were coming back from a softball tournament and Lauren had been driving. We stopped to eat. And so I was driving because she was passing out. And so I was like, it's probably better that I drive. And so we're driving through a town, Colorado Springs. I've heard of it. And I'm going through this really long um, light, so big intersection. And as I'm driving through it, it's one of those moments where if you've ever been in a wreck and you can see it happening before it's happening and everything kind of slows down and you're talking it through and here's what's going to happen. And that was one of those moments. Like I'm driving and I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. No, 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 no. And I'm like even avoiding. I'm looking and the whole family's in on this. They're kind of taking it in. And uh, surely enough, this person does what they're not supposed to do. And I mean, they had like 5,000 miles to turn in front of me, but they chose that moment where I was like literally right in front of them and hit us um, on the back driver's side. And so where Landon was sitting and hit us pretty good. And, um, and then immediately we, you know, pulled off to the side and doing the kind thing that you do when you get out, you ask the question, Hey, how are you doing? Is everybody okay? And, um, the very first thing that everyone wants to hear from the other driver is, Hey, how are you doing? Or whatever. That wasn't the first words. The first words out of their mouth was, Hey, sorry, I hit you. Oh yeah. By the way, I don't have, Oh, may the Lord bless you. Right. And so in that moment, you're like, cool, that's why I have, you know, all the insurance that I've got. And so they don't have insurance. And so we're like, hey, listen, as long as you're okay, your dog's okay, your boyfriend, all that different stuff, we're cool, we're all that. And so we go on, and, of course, you get to put your car in the shop and your inconvenience and all those different kind of things. And so we had a friend who had a car that was just kind of sitting. And so I was like, hey, listen, I'm just going to take that insurance money, and I want to pay my friend. I want to bless him. I don't want to rent a car. I'll just bless them with that. And so they were in a, in a spot where they needed money. And so we did that. So we borrowed their car. And, of course, this is within a couple of weeks. Um, guess what? Similar type situation. And, and Lauren was in the car again. Maybe she shouldn't be in the car with me. But she's <laughs> in the car with me. And, again, it's a situation. This lady is pulling out of Walmart. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm like, Lauren, she's going to hit us. She's going to hit us. She's, again, 10,000 miles away now. And we're seeing it. And I'm like, I'm going less than the speed limit. And it's like a school zone. We're going. And I'm like, she's going to hit us. She hits us. We're going to hit these kids over here. I mean, I'm talking through the whole entire thing. And lo and behold, no. Could she have turned before us? Could she have turned after us? No, no, no. Exact same spot. Driver's side right behind me hits us and gets out. And the very first words out of her mouth are, not are you okay, are, hey, I'm late for an appointment. Thanks for hitting me. And I'm like, hold on. Let's look at this. Your front end hit my backside. I'm not a physics major, but that is not. uh, My rear end didn't go, uh, no. It didn't. It wasn't roller hockey. This is cars. And so, needless to say, she's an elderly lady. She was late for appointment. I understood. She didn't want to be late. She was going to miss, and she was going to have all that. And so, being the kind gentleman that I am, I took a photo of her car, picture, all that different stuff, and we didn't call the police. Hmm. Yes, 
So we ended, that's long story short, we ended up having to pay for that wreck because we hit her. I don't even understand how that happened. But anyway, so it was one of those different deals. Well, in the same time frame, three weeks, this is, and so in between this, Lauren and I, again, together, <clears throat> at Walmart. And you know at Walmart, they have this place where you exit, and there's like huge areas where you know that people are walking. It's marked off. It says people are walking. It's got yellow things and all that stuff. Well, we were, had our little cart. We were doing our little thing, talking, having a good time, and we're in that zone. And again, I see this woman person coming at the time, and I'm like, she's going to hit us. She does not see us. And I'm like, I, I literally stop, and I grab Lauren, and you hold the thing like you're in your car the old days when you didn't wear seatbelts, and you're like doing that. And so we did that in the deal, and I'm like, stop. And then immediately this lady turns into us, and, and I push the buggy just enough so it doesn't run over me, but I bump it. And she gets out, okay? And now you would imagine she would get out and she'd say, I'm so sorry, are y'all okay? No. She gets out and she says, you're in my blind spot! You're in my blind spot. I said, apparently we are. Lauren was okay. Everybody else in the whole Walmart parking lot heard it and ran to see if we were okay, but this person wanted to let us know that we were in her blind spot. It's like, we're okay. No thanks, we're okay. And we went on. In that moment, I did not want to be kind. Have you ever had those moments? All these things have been built up, and I felt like, God, are you just trying to run me over? What are you? What is happening? Like we're we're following the rules, we're seeing all this different stuff. What in the world is taking place? And so you just get to that place where you don't want to be kind, and you think about your own stuff. And listen, I want you to think that I don't want you to think that I'm always kind because this past week we were coming back from Giddings, and you know Giddings from here. There's like you can get caught behind something really slow and big, and you're like, you know, hey, what? We're going to be here three hours getting from Warda to to Lagrange. It's just going to happen because it's not worth pulling out and. And all that, and so we were there, and and uh, there was like ten of us in a line together, and we were all like, you know, it looked like a NASCAR, you know, where everybody was kind of like this back to back to back, and and I, I being the safe driver, I think I don't know, I, I said, hey, I'm going to give an extra car length because I can imagine like this nine car pile up happening, and everybody just everywhere, and so I'm like, hey, I'm going to give myself a little extra space. Well, while I'm doing this, I see in my rearview mirror there's this car like zooming in and out. Apparently, they're not from the area and don't realize. This and so they're moving in and out, and so the next thing I know, they're behind me, and loving on my rear end. And so I do the Christian thing, and I tap on the brakes, uh, and let them know that I know that they're there. And so then the next thing you know, like there's this little bitty sliver of space between all this, and so they decide it's time to come. And so they kind of go around, and I look, and I see, hey, there's a car coming. I mean, it's far enough off, you know, whatever. And so in that moment, Jesus and I had a little discussion. Do I do the thing that I should do and I back off? Or do I press the gas just enough? This verse came to mind, seriously. And I even told Lauren, Lauren, I know I'm supposed to be kind. And then I was like, you know what, that's probably enough stress. And so I backed off. And then I was like, I, I acted like I took a picture of their thing. I mean, I was just in the moment. And I know God was like, Chris, you're not very kind. I know you think you are, but you're not. And it was in that moment. And don't ask Lauren what I really said. But, I mean, I was just like, I'm just, I don't, in that moment, I'm like, I've got stuff to do and you're not more important than me. 
You know what I mean? And so in that moment, and so God just kind of gives us those reminders. And so this verse has really been setting in. Is your own soul is nourished when you're kind and it is destroyed when you're cruel. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us, For we are created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Right, that God has prepared in advance for us to do. And so as followers of Jesus, that we're being transformed, we're being made new, we're being recreated. And so that we have this new thing, that we have new eyes. And so we see opportunities that maybe we looked at before and we said, hey, that's inconvenient. That's going to cost me. It's going to be sacrificial to my time, to my energy, to my bank account, whatever it is. And before Christ, we would naturally walk away. But now because we're in Christ, all of a sudden we look at it and we say, hey, Maybe I should do something. I don't know what that is. Maybe I don't fully understand, but I got to jump in because in Christ we are created to do good works because when we do good works, we're more like God than in any other time. Because our God is an extravagant serving God that did the inconvenient, the most costly, the most sacrificial thing that he could do for us, and that's what he calls us to do. For we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And so there's going to be those moments when we're at our wits end, when we're at the end of our month, we're at the end of whatever, and all of a sudden an opportunity to do good and to serve and to be kind comes up, and every other excuse is going to come up, and Jesus is going to go, but it does your soul well. It nourishes your soul to do good in this moment. That's our word for this morning. That's our challenge for this morning. Sermon over, y'all can go. Oh, listen. Jump in and do good. You are most like God when you're at the end of your rope and you're being sacrificial and serving and being kind and doing for others what you can do. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. It says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. What? That's a new thing, right? From those who deserve Well, who deserves it? Because that, that makes more sense to me a little bit. Is like, who deserves it? And so then we kind of come up with, hey, that person doesn't deserve it. That person doesn't deserve it. That person doesn't deserve it. And, but then the next part of it says, to those that you have the power to act. So you have the power to act and you see an opportunity to serve and to jump in. And to do this thing. And so we're kind of built in with our parents kind of teach us, hey, here's a stick of gum. If you're going to take a stick of gum to school, you've got to take a whole pack to school. And if you take a whole pack to school, why? Because everybody gets a piece. And so immediately you have a pack of gum and you're thinking to yourself, hey, I've got a piece for myself, but I don't want to share with everybody. So you hide it. Don't we do that? You still do that, don't you? You're adults and you still hide your gum from your kids. Okay. Because it's your gum. You don't want them to have it. And so who deserves it? Look at Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul talks about generosity, especially how we can serve, and this idea of deserving it. Who deserves it? Because, listen, every single day of the week, almost, every single week at least, someone calls, someone comes in and says, Hey, Second Baptist Church, I need you to intercede on my behalf. I need money. I need something. And so one of the things that, as a pastor and as part of the team here, one of the questions that we always ask is still, is it's, and I know it seems odd to ask this, but who deserves, how can we help intercede on people and make sure that we're being good stewards of the gifts that we have? Because we don't want to just hand out, we want to hand up, right? We're trying to help people get to a place of health. And so here's what Paul says. He's talking about this idea in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every brother and sister who is idle and who does not live according to the teaching you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we did not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Listen, the very thing that we're doing is we're, we're, we're going to uh, Puerto Rico, right? We've been to Puerto Rico. We're going to Puerto Rico. And, and one of the things that as a team, as a church, we're going to Puerto Rico to help to be hand to hand up, not to receive handouts. And we don't want to be the last thing that we want to be is to be a burden. So you're raising money, you're raising funds, you're doing your stuff to not only pay for it, but to even go beyond what maybe we would necessarily need so that when we leave, that they have more and we're blessing them. And that's the same thing as that Paul is talking about is that as a missionary, he went to them and he had raised funds, he had done the work. And if he didn't have the funds, then he went out and he worked for the day because the gospel was that important to him. The self-sacrificing, what it was going to cost for him to get to do what he needed to do was that important. So for those that are saying, hey, listen, I feel called to go to Puerto Rico or I feel called to go to wherever, that you raise the money, you do the work, and maybe it's a second job or a third job or whatever, because you want to be a blessing and not a burden. And Paul is saying to us as a church, listen, there are going to be people that are going to be sitting and idle amongst the community, and the best thing that we can do for them is to say, get a job. And I know that that sounds harsh, but listen, a part of discipleship is helping people find and get to a place of health. And if we're not, as a community, we're not helping people find health if we're not helping them find jobs to find what their gifts are, to find what their talents are, and to be the unique person that they need to be. Because if someone's being idle and not working, then that means they're not being a missionary. They're not being a disciple of Jesus. And that means that they're robbing themselves. That means they're robbing the place that they should be working that needs a missionary. And so all this stuff that follows out, and so sometimes the generous thing, the best thing that we can do is say, no, we're not going to help you right now because you need to do the work necessary so we hand out can become a hand up. And even Paul says for us, be wise in your goodness. Be wise in your kindness because we don't want to hinder someone. We want to help them in moving forward. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 26, the author says this, the appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. Anybody ever been hungry? Anybody ever been thirsty? Listen, there was a day where Becky and I were extremely poor. And I mean, we, we, we were poor. We were in college and we were working it. And my parents gave me $500 for college. And um, that's what they had to give me. And it was awesome. It paid for an hour and a half of school. And I was thankful. I mean, it was like 500 bucks. I mean, they gave it to me. I went to the bank and I was like, awesome. Here it is. Cool done. You know what I mean? I'm like, can I graduate in an hour and a half? No, you can't. And so you got to work. And so Becky and I were were dating and we were working, we were working two, three, four jobs and we were doing stuff and and we were taking 20 hours of classes and we were working 60 hours to make it happen. I don't know what that was, but that was cool. And so we were working 60 hours to make it done. Why? Because we had a hunger for something. We were motivated for something. We were moved toward, hey, listen, God had placed a call upon our lives to to get this degree, to do what he wanted us to do. And so you're, you're moved to that place. And so there were times, like I was a waiter, and so there were times that the only thing that we had to eat was the scraps that we would bring home from waiting tables. 
But you're motivated and you're moved when you're hungry and you thirst after something and you know what you want. You know what God has called you to do and you're going to move in that direction. And, and heck or high water, you're going to get there and you're going to be like the ants. And yes, there may be an obstacle, but you're going to go around it and you're going to help other people because you know what you know what you know that you need to get to this place and you're motivated to get there. And it may mean that you eat leftover salad. It may mean that you eat the leftover baked potatoes at the end of the day. But if that's what you got to get to where you need to go, then that's what you're going to do. And part of it is, is now, hey, hey, we have a little bit of money. And so now we appreciate it even more and understand that, listen, you don't just get here. You have to move here and you have to work here and to do the different stuff to get to where you need to be. And for us, we need to continue to work with people in discipleship and say, listen, in community, we want to grow you up. And it's not about finances, but it's about you moving to a place of health and understand that Christ gave everything for us to have life to its fullness. And so what are we going to do? What is it going to cost us to help other people see Jesus in us? That's what it's about. And then our very mission here is to see one person at a time come to know Jesus Christ. And that through that one person coming to know Christ, it's a, it feels like it's this, this whole world that there's no way that that's going to make a difference. But, but one person coming to know Christ is one stone skipping across the lake. And in that one stone skipping across, there's a ripple effect. And the ripple effect of that one person coming to know Christ, it transforms a home. Then it transforms a, a workplace. Then it transforms. And then all of a sudden you can look back and you can see the lineage and the DNA is that one person came to know Jesus. It's worth the effort to do kindness. And to do the work, but it's about us not hindering, but helping and people finding health in their life. But one of the things that we get into whenever we get to do church for a little bit, we get real comfortable and real easy. It's fun watching the relationships that have taken place over the last almost two years we've been here and then seeing, like hearing and seeing, hey, you're in a life group together and the depth of those relationships and all that. And it's real easy in that moment to move from being outward focused to inward focused. And when we get inward focused, we begin to do a favor exchange program. And so it's, it's like this. It's like, hey, I'm going to invite John and Sally over, and we're going to feed them, and it's going to be a great meal. And, and, and partly we know that, hey, John and Sally are coming over, but in two weeks we're going to go over to John and Sally's house, and John and Sally, they're going to invite us and invite another couple and, and all those things. And those are good things, but then you, all of a sudden you wake up and you've done three years of life and it's so much of it has, has turned in. You know each other really well, but no one else can get in. And so what is supposed to be a life-giving group becomes a closed group. And so, and so it's hard for people to kind of get into that thing. And so you hear the whole idea of cliques and church and all that. And that's, part of that is that we've got to continually to be open. Even though we close and do life, we always got to be open to other people. Jesus says it this way. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not just invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. For if you do, they might invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. And so it's that whole idea of, hey, Christmas is coming, and so someone gives you a gift, and they give you a $25 gift, and they weren't on your gift giving list, you know? Have you ever gotten those? Yeah, okay. And so you get that gift, and you're like, hey, it's this. And then you think to yourself, okay, all right, is it a $25 gift? Is it a $40 gift? Is it a $50 gift? Why? Because you're immediately thinking, okay, how generous were they? Because I need to repay that. And so Jesus says that's, that's what church is not. That's what life is not, is that to truly be a gift, we shouldn't have to think about I have to return this favor. But quickly, in friendships and relationships, we end up exchanging favors and exchanging gifts and we try to equal value and pass it on because we don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. Listen to what Jesus says. 
Verse 13. But when you give a banquet, have people over, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Why? Because they cannot repay you. When I was reading this and thinking about it, I was thinking about Ken Marr, who's here every Sunday. And we'll laugh and we'll high-five and we'll shake hands. And I love Ken Marr. I worked at a mental health facility and, and, and love it. But you know what? That's going to cost me something if I'm going to have some Kenmar people over. Because they're not going to repay me. They're not going to invite me over. They're not even going to think to invite me over. They might even leave a big mess. But that's truly what God is calling us to, is to begin to say, listen, who is on the outskirts, who is on the outsides that's that needs to know that they are loved and that they're cared for and they're not forgotten, that you can bring them into your house and that you can love on them and care for them and provide a meal for them and to let them know, even if it's just for one day, for the first time in ten years, that someone loves them enough to invite them to their house. And for all of us in this moment, as we think about who do we know that needs someone, that needs us to invite them to our place, that they don't probably have anyone else We've all got friends. We've all got people in that situation. And I'm not trying to throw guilt on you. What I'm trying to get us to think is, listen, so much of life is such busyness. And much of what we do is good, but there are some things that we can stop and say, who needs to be invited to a banquet that may not get invited to a banquet? Who can I serve and how can I serve the least of these? Because it's going to cost you. It's going to be inconvenient but what a blessing it's going to be to you and to them. So you continue this idea of seeking kindness and thinking about it as, listen, seek discernment and doing good. And if God tells you to go do it, then go do it. God's an extravagant do-gooder. And that we look and, and feel and know that we're more like him when we're being extravagant do-gooders as well. There's never going to be, an, there's never, you're never going to have, now listen, I hope some of you become Bill Gates wealthy, okay? Mark Zuckerberg, I, I hope that. Because I know that people from Second Baptist, that their monies are going to go to the kingdom. And it's not going to just be buying mosquito nets and all those things are important, but that your money is going to go to the kingdom, of the cause of the kingdom. And it's that, that God will multiply your monies. And, but most of us, we're, we're just trying to make it. And so there's going to come a time where you're like, hey, I can't do for Sally and Susie. And again, it goes to that idea of, the, of this pack of gum is that you go to, a, to school with a pack of gum and you think to yourself, hey, I've got six pieces and I've got six classes. That means I don't have any more to share. But your friend sees that you have six pieces and they're like, hey, can you give me half? And you're like, no. And then you look and you say, okay, what, what can I do? Instead of saying, look at that piece, those, that pack of gum with six pieces and saying, hey, I've got 18 friends in this class. Can I get these 12 these six pieces into 18 pieces to share with everyone. Because here's the idea that Jesus asks us. Do what you can do with what you got. And that you're never going to have enough. But I've given you enough to do what I've called you to do. So it may not seem fair, but jump in and do what you can do with what you've got. Be generous with what you've got. Because even the Good Samaritan, the story that Jesus lifts up is, hey, this is the epitome. This is the story of generosity. The Good Samaritan saw someone who was in need, did what he could do with what he had. In that moment, he had enough money to pay for a room for a little bit. He bandaged him up, put him in a room, and he told the keeper, listen, I'll come back through, and I'll check to make sure that, he, you know, that 
you don't owe any money or money is owed to you. I will stop and take care of that. But he didn't call. He didn't check. He didn't, there's no, we don't nothing about if he followed up or did anything. He did what he could do in that moment. And that moment was he saw that he need, had a need. He put him in a place where it was safe and he could be healed up. And he provided a little bit of funds. And we assume that he came back and finished and paid off the bill. Do what you can do in the moment. He still wanted on his business trip. He still did the things that he needed to do, but he stepped in with what he could do in that moment. That's the same call for us. And then listen, we also, each of us, if we're as a community, whenever we give and, and receive offerings and gifts, all those things helps us be a community that can do a little bit more. Our $5 or our $10 becomes 100 or 1000 or or $100,000 when we give together that we can meet needs in the community together that we couldn't meet individually. And so I just challenge you to think through, hey, as I give, that there's portions of that goes to our benevolence fund, and we give that and, and serve that out and give that to people as needed, and we ask these questions. Hey, how can we help you up? What can we do to move you to a place of health and, and move you into the ways that we want you to, that we believe that God wants you to move? And so you're a part of doing that. So even in those months where you're saying, hey, I don't have anything else, I'm giving to the church and know that your church is trying on your behalf as being generous and caring for the community. Because I promise you, every single week, if not every single day, the phone is ringing and someone's asking, hey, can you help? And 99.9% of the time we say yes or we know how to get them help. And so as a community, we're able to care. Galatians chapter 3 says this. It'll pop that up on the screen for me. Let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we'll reap a harvest, a good crop, if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. I know you're tired. I know that there's days that you're at HEB or you're at Walmart or you're somewhere and you're just at the end of your rope and you don't want to help, you don't want to do anything, and you see someone, you just you get this nudge of, hey, I need to step into this situation. My challenge for you is to not get fatigued in doing good and to know that in those moments that you're most fatigued, that you're most out, are those going to be those opportunities that you're going to say, okay, kindness, goodness, in this moment will nourish my soul and I will be more like God in this moment than any other time. And to jump in and to be kind and be generous. Let's pray together. Then we, Father, we thank you that you were more than extravagant with your son, Jesus. And that because of his generosity, because of his self-sacrifice, because it cost him everything we are able to experience newness of life and the generosity and kindness that you give us, that each and every day is a new day and a new opportunity because of your extravagance. Father, may we share just a glimpse of that with those around us, our workmates, our schoolmates, our family, whoever it is. Father, even in those moments where we're most tired, our kindness nourishes the soul. Maybe you're reminded of that truth. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.